Hello, and welcome to the Sullivan County Democrat Podcast's Week in Review. I'm co-editor Joseph Abraham, and here are this week's top stories. While many eagerly awaited the news of whether or not Puxatawney Phil saw his shadow, by just looking out our window here in Sullivan County, there was no surprise that Phil predicted we'd have another six weeks of winter. Sullivan County and many parts of New York State were hit with a winter storm that started on Sunday afternoon and went until Tuesday. The Hudson Valley appears to have received the most snowfall, with 25 inches of snow being reported in some areas. Elsewhere, snowfall rates range from 12 to 18 inches in New York City and on Long Island, with less than 12 inches in areas further upstate. With close to two feet of snowfall, Sullivan County residents were still shoveling paths and plowing driveways on Wednesday. The National Weather Service reported that by Wednesday morning, Rock Hill saw the highest snowfall with 23 inches, Glen Spey got 21.8 inches, Jeffersonville 15 inches, and Narrowsburg 14 inches. Governor Andrew Cuomo declared a state of emergency on Monday for 44 counties in the state and urged people to stay off the roads. He said, quote, Our teams have done a great job responding to this storm. We are already beginning to prepare for yet another round of winter weather that is expected for this weekend. To all New Yorkers, continue to avoid non-essential travel throughout the duration of these weather systems so our crews can do their jobs safely and effectively. A spokesperson for New York State Electric and Gas said 5,788 of their Sullivan County customers experienced an electricity outage during the storm. Sullivan County Democrat staff writer Isabel Braverman has more on the storm in today's paper. In local development news, a proposed project seeks to transform the 117-acre former dairy farm at 26 Hogue Road in Livingston Manor into Broadacre Farm, which is described on their website as, quote, a vibrant, new, regenerative, conservation, community development. The project is currently in the beginning stages of the planning board process with a preliminary site plan having been filed. If approved in its current state, the project would create 46 ecologically friendly homes, add public spaces including a trail system, and restore agricultural economic activity to the property. According to Town of Rockland Planning Board Chairman Thomas Ellison, representatives from Broadacre Farm came to one meeting and did an overview presentation of what they wanted to do and talked a little bit about the site. Ellison noted that the site does present some challenges as it is quite steep and there are some wetlands involved. Access to the site is also difficult as the two roads, which can be taken to get to the property, High Street and Hoag Road, are steep and narrow. More info about the project can be found in today's paper and on broadacrefarm.org. November is a ways away, but two county officials have already begun to state their case for re-election. County Treasurer Nancy Buck and Sheriff Michael Schiff both kicked off their re-election campaigns on Monday during a joint announcement at Tilly's Diner in the village of Monticello. Buck has served as Deputy County Treasurer for 14 years, before the legislature appointed her as County Treasurer following the death of Ira Cohen in 2014. She was re-elected in 2015 and 2017, running on the Republican, Conservative, and Independence Party lines. Sullivan County Sheriff Michael Schiff is running for his fifth term, having held the office for the past 16 years after succeeding former Sheriff Dan Hoag Sr. Sullivan County Democrat co-editor Matt Shortall has more in today's paper. Staying on the topic of law enforcement, the Fallsburg Police Reform and Reinvention Coalition, together with My Brother's Keeper and the Fallsburg Community Alliance, continue their talks on police reform to meet the April 1st deadline. The coalition formed last year in the wake of the Black Lives Matter rallies held around Sullivan County and since then has held regular meetings with community residents and town officials. Last summer, questions surrounding police brutality was brought to the forefront after the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis. 
New York State Governor Andrew Cuomo asked for towns, police departments, and law enforcement agencies across the state to come up with a police reform plan. The coalition and the town of Fallsburg have recently set up a survey for Fallsburg residents to fill out and talk about their interactions with the police department. The survey can be filled out online or found in paper format at many locations throughout Fallsburg. As of press time, the town received about 75 surveys back, and according to the 2010 United States Census, the Fallsburg population was 12,870. According to the governor, each locality must adopt a plan for reform by April 1, 2021 to be eligible for future state funding. Now, taking a quick look back to two stories in Tuesday's Democrat, it was a busy day for county legislators on January 28th. Following the charge by the County Board of Ethics against legislator Louis Alvarez, the county legislature voted 8-zip to take no disciplinary action, with Alvarez abstaining from the vote. A special meeting was called on January 28th, and a resolution was before the legislators to recommend Alvarez complete a program in anger management and sensitivity training based on the findings of the ethics board. The charge against Alvarez stemmed from a complaint made by a county employee who had a conversation with him about his wife's care at the care center at Sunset Lake. The Sullivan Catskills Visitors Association was also on the agenda that day at legislature. The nonprofit agency is tasked with promoting tourism in the region. The SCVA has a contract with the county that was entered into on January 1, 2018 and was set to expire on December 30, 2022. County legislators at their full board meeting on the 28th discussed a resolution before them to terminate the contract with the SCVA. As word spread about the proposed action, members of the SCVA executive board as well as community business leaders showed up to the meeting to voice their support for the SCVA and urge the legislators not to terminate the contract. SCVA President and CEO Roberta Byron Lockwood said, quote, I respectfully request that each and every one of you look at our record, look at what we've done for the county, and reconsider canceling our contract, adding that they are happy to renegotiate. According to Legislative Chairman Rob Doherty, the intent is not to terminate the contract, but rather to negotiate it, and the proposed resolution was to start a 60-day clock in order to create a new agreement. Legislator Alan Sorensen made a motion to table the resolution until the next full board meeting. It was voted on 5-3 with Perillo and legislators Louis Alvarez and Nadia Reich opposed, saying they instead wanted to take the resolution off the table. Legislator Iris Steingart abstained because his business, Steingart Printing, does business with the SCVA. That was only a small sample of the news in this week's issues. In addition to finding the paper on newsstands across the county, you can head to our website, scdemocratonline.com. Here at the Sullivan County Democrat, we produce 50-plus annual special sections. This includes a health and wellness special publication. In them, you'll often find a special article written by NAMI Sullivan County Executive Director Lori Schneider. Earlier today, I spoke with her about the resources they provide the pandemic's effect on mental health. Here is that interview. Thank you for joining me uh, this afternoon, Lori. Um, for my first question for you today, it's just for anyone that's not familiar with the work that NAMI does, uh, tell us what resources you guys offer and services. Sure. Thanks for having me, Joe. So NAMI is the um, National Alliance on Mental Illness, and we are the local affiliate. Um, different NAMIs do different things. Ours is unique in that we do have a paid staff and we do have programs that we run directly. So we have um, at the heart of everything that we do is, of course, family support and advocacy. We have a family support group that meets twice a month for families of people who are living with a psychiatric diagnosis. We also have a peer support group called NAMI Connection 
for adults with a psychiatric diagnosis that is um, led by people, uh, facil- the group is facilitated by people who themselves are uh, recovering from a mental illness. Uh, we also have a suicide bereavement group that meets once a month. Um, of course, all of our meetings right now are virtually prior to COVID and hopefully God willing soon, they will be live, but everything is virtual right now. We also do a Compeer program, which means here, and Compeer basically recruits volunteers from the community, caring men and women, to match them in a one-to-one friendship with someone recovering from mental illness. Um, volunteers and their friends uh, spend time together and do things that they both enjoy. Again, <laughs> with COVID, it, everything is virtual, so phone calls and and things like that. But in in normal times, whatever that means, um, they do get together usually once a week or a couple of times a month and do things that they they both enjoy doing. So if it's going to a concert or um, going shopping, having a cup of coffee together, just spending time with each other. It, you know, it's sort of like a big brothers, big sisters but all with adults Uh, in our county. It's all with adults. We also have an advocacy program and we um, take people again before COVID out into the community and do things, um, you know, enjoyable activities and and kind of acclimate them back into the community. Um, With COVID, we've been doing online things. We've been doing things via Zoom and via telephone. Uh, and uh, so it certainly has made things a little bit different all around. Sure. And uh, speaking of COVID, which you mentioned several times and in, in sort of how that's changed some things as far as what's been going on at NAMI, uh, just in general on the topic of mental health, um, mental health is obviously challenging in its own right for, for what is going on, but, but what uh, additional difficulties has COVID provided uh, to the whole situation? Well, I'd like to preface what I'm about to say just by kind of defining mental illness, because a lot of people have misconceptions and and misunderstandings about what exactly is mental illness. And basically, mental illnesses are a group of um, disorders that affect the way people think, feel, and relate to others. So um, mood disorders like depression or bipolar disorder, um, thought disorders like schizophrenia, anxiety disorders. Um, these are the things that we're talking about when we're talking about a serious mental illness. And these are physical illnesses um, that affect the brain, which is an organ of the body, the same as the lungs or the heart or the kidneys. They're the same as any other physical illness. So, you know, there's a lot of stigma associated with mental illness and a lot of misunderstanding out there. And a primary part of what NAMI does is to try and eradicate that stigma and and and, and educate people. So, um, Yes, people with mental illness are um, certainly being affected by COVID, as we all are. I mean, people that don't have a diagnosis of depression or anxiety are feeling depressed and anxious these last God knows how many months, you know, because we're isolated. And and that isolation only serves to exacerbate somebody that has a, a, a predisposition towards depression or anxiety or or um, or schizophrenia and, and really any any of these illnesses um, a lot of people have uh, sorry about that a lot of people have a um, a support network that they rely on that has been disrupted so things like um, programs that they go to uh, during the day uh, pros 
uh, which is um, a, a, a program run by uh, the county and, and, and another agency, RSS, or um, our advocacy programs, our compere programs, um, being able to go to the clinic for an appointment and see your therapist. You know, they're doing a lot of telemedicine now and teletherapy and and that's great. And, and the groups that we're doing are great, but it's not the same as we all know, as a face-to-face contact with another human being, you know, the, um, just that losing that, that human touch, that, that face-to-face contact, that support system, um, having something to look forward to doing, getting out of your house and not seeing the same four walls, people who live in adult homes, people who live in family care homes, um, people who live in their own apartment but are very isolated. It is uh, that isolation is only exacerbating, you know, the underlying conditions and, and making it harder for people to deal for sure. And um, thank you for this, for providing us with this uh, kind of a quick recap. And I know it's a lot of information that, of course, that you've graciously kind of condensed for us here. But my last question is just simply if someone out there needs help. And um, or if someone knows of a friend or a family member that needs assistance and they want to contact NAMI, what's the best process for people to do that? Well, I would think that the the easiest way to contact us is by phone. Um, We are located in Monticello, but we do serve the entire Our phone number is 845-794-1029. We're also on Facebook, NAMI of Sullivan. Um, NAMI Sullivan County, comma, NY, sorry, NAMI Sullivan County, comma, NY is our Facebook page. Mm-hmm. And our email address is NAMI of Sullivan at gmail.com. So whichever way somebody wanted to get in touch, um, you certainly would be able to. And, uh, so yes, if you, if you yourself are struggling with a mental illness, um, we absolutely have supports for you in the way of our NAMI connection group. Uh, which meets um, every other Monday evening. Um, you could uh, give a call to the office and I can get you more information about that and the Zoom link. Um, for people that aren't able to Zoom, we're also able to do things with like a conference call type on the telephone. So don't think that if you're not computer literate, you can't take part in the things that we're doing. And for anyone who has a family member who um, is living with a psychiatric diagnosis, Our family support groups meet the third and fourth Tuesday of each month. Again, it's virtual right now. Mm -hmm. Um, If you give me a call in the office, 845-794-1029, I can definitely send you a link for our Zoom. And again, if you can't take part via Zoom, you're absolutely welcome to take part via telephone. We wouldn't be able to see and hear, see each other, but we would be able to hear each other. Um, And then we also have the suicide bereavement group, which meets the first Wednesday of each month. And if anyone has lost a loved one or a friend or someone they care about to suicide, it is a very specific loss. And it's a a very unique experience that other losses and other grief isn't exactly the same. Um, And so support group for something like that is is invaluable. Um, And we do meet the first Wednesday of each month. And if you would like to take part in that, we would absolutely welcome you uh, again, either via Zoom or via telephone if you can't do a Zoom. And again, for any of the any of the uh, programs that we run and any more information, you can certainly feel free to uh, reach out by phone, 845-794-1029, or by email, Sullivan at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Facebook at 
Nami Sullivan County, comma, NY. All right. Well, thank you for um, spending a few minutes out of your incredibly busy schedule helping the uh, residents here in Sullivan County. And um, we will catch up with you again soon. That's all for this week's recap. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you'd like to subscribe, call 845-887-5200. We hope everyone has a great weekend. And we urge you to be on the lookout for a special podcast series we are producing for Black History Month. The first installment is an interview I conducted with local actor, director, and educator G. Oliver Kink. You'll be able to find that interview on our podcast channels on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Overcast, and Spotify beginning on Saturday.